Welcome to the His Light and Life podcast with your host, Mark, who will be your guide to enhance, deepen, and enrich your Christian life. To turn your focus away from just getting by to walking with God in His light and life. Welcome back to His Light and Life. Um, We're still continuing on with the incarnation of God becoming a man and dwelling amongst us. Um, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, And we've talked about this from a couple of different angles, and I really want to just keep the emphasis on the communication of the man in the boat. So... Last time we spoke, we laid a bit of a foundation of the Old Testament idea and the New Testament, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And this time I want to make it through um, explaining uh, the difference of that. So in, in for simplicity, let's just say that that fish that was caught in that story that we shared, that um, in some form of communication that the fish could understand, the men in the boat conveyed to him what he'd like to happen inside the lake, you know, just sort of a, just sort of a, you know, a, an instruction manual for how the fish should should participate and how the fish should interact and some kind of a social structure for the fish in the lake. And then that fish was released and went down in, and you know, so you have the the dual, the dual challenges of first of all explaining that what happened to you which no one wants to believe, number one. And number two, then you'd have to, you know, sort of share the the galactic um, instruction manual, if you will, um, from the man in the boat to the fish community and the fish society. Very, that, the Old Testament is very much like that, where... God, you know, is, you know, high and lifted up. He's the one that made the, you know, the, you know, the, the mountains are just thundering and covered in black smoke and, you know, the commands come to the children of Israel and number one. And so that's just fantastical. But at the same time, you know, the nations around them didn't see that, didn't experience that, had no participation in that. And certainly were not interested in anything that this that their God had to say. We have our God up the street. They have another God, you know. The people on the other side of the river have a God. Now you're telling me about your God. What does your God speaking to me have anything to do with me? And uh, as a, as we've already as I've already said in the past, every nation and every people and they all had gods during that time. So the distinctiveness of the old covenant, the distinctiveness of the Old Testament was the communication of God. It's one thing to have seen God part the Red Sea, and it's another thing to see God, you know, deliver them out of Egypt, and it's another, you know, to see, you know, a cloud or a a dark cloud and firing lightning-like shafts of splendor on a mountain, uh, like they saw in the in the wilderness. But if God, if God never spoke to them, if He never communicated anything to them. Then we're back to the original problem we had way back where they'd just be making up whatever they wanted. They would just make up a way of living, make up a make up a society, make up a social structure for that society, a set of rules, set of laws, etc. 
And God didn't do that in the Old Covenant. He didn't. He gave them a very, very specific uh, directive on how they should establish themselves and how they should interact with each other. Uh, and it covered every area of their lives. It covered area, every area of their lives. And it covered every area of their lives in detail. You know, you can you can read this, you know, the detail of the Old Testament law is incredible. The typical person, man on the street, he knows it from the Ten Commandments. But the law was far more complex than that. And uh, dietary instructions all the way through, what they should give, when they should give, seasons, um, celebrations, it covered every single aspect of their life. The operation of the tabernacle and which later became the temple the the um, who who could be the high priest who could be the, the priests how they should wash how they should interact what they should wear there was really nothing that was left un, unspoken so you have this very high highly complex communication system that this create this god has spoken to them but at the same time, it's from the outside. It's from the outside. God is on the outside of his creation, and he's entered it and spoken to the people who are participants in it. But in this essence, it's like still like the man sitting up in a boat. The directives went to the fish and down amongst the fish, but the man on the boat the man in the boat was still in the boat. We come to the New Testament and things change very radically. Something um, that no one had seen, a mystery that had not unfolded, had been spoken of. I've read a couple of the verses that speak about that. Um, and there's this prophecy of uh, this coming Yeshua. The Jews themselves, for the most part, had no understanding of the depth of what the, quote, Messiah would be, why he would be coming, and what he would accomplish when he got there. Um, and that's why when he did come, and he did what he did and said what he said, they didn't understand what he was saying, and they, didn't, they, they had no way. Now, I have no problem at all with the Jewish people. It would not have mattered. There's nothing particular to the Jewish people in this essence. It wouldn't have mattered... One bit, uh, who that word came through and who the Messiah ultimately came to, he would have been rejected. It's, it doesn't matter. You're, now we're talking about a different species, different species of fish in the boat or in the, in the lake, but it wouldn't have mattered. Okay? It wouldn't have mattered. And uh, I wish we could go a little more into detail on that, but that maybe maybe we'll get back, maybe we'll circle back to that in a later podcast. Um, but that's vitally important to know and understand. Uh, over the centuries and over the years, uh, the Jewish people have um, uh, got a bad rap, uh, and it's not <laughs> warranted in any way. Anyone who's got a little deeper into any of this stuff realizes that if it was you and me, and um, we would have been. We would have been in the mob. Give us, give us Barabbas. That is a human nature. It's a, it's an Adam problem. It's not a Jewish problem. So the, the tragedies, all the way through that we can follow in mankind and his interactions, they can all be laid at Adam's feet. They're all born in Adam's rebellion. Uh, 
and they're all uh, magnified by the presence of the law of sin and death here in the earth. But for this talk, let's I'm going to switch gears and say the man in the boat doesn't simply give an instruct give instruction to one of the fish and send him back into the lake to to instruct the other fish. But let's look at it that the man on the boat in our story he becomes a fish. He becomes a fish. And he goes into the lake and lives as a fish. Now, of course, the deity of Jesus Christ, um, you know, the Son of God, the Logos, Word of God, before the foundations of the world, seated with his Father for all of eternity, um, becoming a man is infinitely higher than a man becoming a fish. But for this story, for this illustration, just let me say it this way. Um, the, the, the depths of what took place were beyond belief beyond belief and the reason for that is one of the things you have to understand is if God speaking to himself his interactions his inner dealings with himself picture the Trinity and communication with each other that is not how they don't speak and interact with each other the way that you speak and interact with each other the way we speak and interact with each other because we interact with each other on the level that we're at. And they interact with each other at the level they're at. Let me explain what I mean by that. A lower form can never discover a higher form. A higher form must discover a lower form. Now when a higher form discovers a lower form, for, let me put it another way. So picture a, picture a, a bird out, or a, sorry, I mean, Picture a tree in the middle of a field. Now, that tree could never discover a squirrel. Because a squirrel is a higher form than a tree. Now, the squirrel could be walking along one day and find a tree and climb the tree. So the, the squirrel can discover a tree because it's a higher form. Okay? The squirrel is a higher form than the, than the tree. It's interesting to note that when the squirrel discovered the tree, the tree would experience a squirrel, have an understanding of a squirrel, have the concept of a squirrel from the perspective of a tree. So if, if, if you understand that, that, and that continues on, like anyone, like we, we, we touched on another podcast. We talked about science. There's the, the common argument among science about, um, that breaks down, of course, at the, just, at, just at cause and effect alone. But that there had to be an original cause, and that original cause, by the very statement, or, or by simply saying that it's the original cause, that means it could not have either, A, it could not have been caused, and B, it must have always been there. So it has to be eternal. So that's how we know that the Father God, he's the source of all life, but he he's also eternal. Because the source of all life couldn't have a beginning because if the source of all life had a beginning, that whatever began him would be the original cause. And it goes back and back. So I want you to hold two thoughts in, at the same time. That thought over here and over here on the other side, I want you to think about the sense that a lower form can never discover a higher form. 
A chair can't discover a person. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. The moon in the sky could never under, could never discover man. How could it? Man is a higher life. The moon the moon in the sky is a ball of dirt. The ball of dirt could never under, could never discover a higher form, and man's a higher form. Now man can get in a ship and go to the moon and set foot on the moon. But the moon itself is incapable of doing anything at all towards in the concept of discovering something higher than itself. And back to the story of the squirrel in the tree, it's not just that something lower cannot discover something higher. The tree is incapable of discovering a squirrel. But it's not just that, but once the squirrel discovers the tree, the tree has a revelation of a squirrel. doesn't discover it. It has a revelation of it. In other words, the idea of a squirrel is now revealed to the tree in the form of this squirrel running around on its branches. But understand this, that the tree only has a revelation of a squirrel from the perspective of a tree. So if he was to then, if, if trees can't talk, but if that tree was to communicate at some point with another tree and explain to that other tree about talk about this squirrel, this this being that ran around all over the place, had these sharp little things that it grabbed a hold of him with and this big bushy tail and stuff, that it would have no, it would be describing the squirrel to the other tree from the perspective of a tree. That's very important. That little story is very, very important. And that little story on its face, so I asked you to hold two thoughts in one, at, one, at one time. The first thought I asked you to hold was that you have to have an original cause. And that original cause, by the very definition of it being an original cause, has to be eternal. It has to have always been the cause. The original cause must have always been the original cause. Because if it was ever caused itself, it, then it's an effect. And over here now, I want you to hold the idea that a lower form can never discover a higher form. And the, when it does, when the higher form discovers a lower form, the lower form has, has a revelation of the higher form from the level that it's at. So somebody says, well, I could never, you know, I'm a person of science. I couldn't, I, science, there's no way. We, you know, science has taught us all we need to know about the material world, and we've studied this. And there's a couple of the atheists, the more famous atheists, say you hear them say that. They're all people of science. We're people of science. We're rational. We're Well, I just told you that science can only discover things lower than itself, that nothing can discover anything higher than itself. So human beings are the highest species that we know of. We know. Right? So therefore, like everything else, including the tree and the squirrel, human beings can only ever discover things that are of a lower life form than them. That's why we've discovered trees, we've discovered squirrels, we've gone to the moon, we've discovered DNA, we've investigated, and we can go down and down and down. But every single scientific discovery that's ever been made is, a, is the discovery of a form that's lower than us. 
Man is looking through a telescope. He's looking at a molecule. It, the molecule is lower than a human being. Man, Christopher Columbus, got on a boat and came across to North America and discovered a new world. Sure. Because it's a lower form than him. All of the animals that were here, lower forms than him. So you take those two, two thoughts together and you realize there has to be an original cause. And that original cause has to be eternal. And that a lower life form can never discover a higher life form. Therefore, we're the highest life form we have on the planet that we know of. But by definition, we can only discover things that are lower than ourselves. What would the possibilities there through the vehicle of science be for man to ever discover an eternal God? Let me say that again. What would the odds of man ever discovering an eternal God be? Zero. So by definition to say that even the pursuit of God, even the attempt to discover God through the vehicle of science is a denial of science. It's a denial of science. And of course God knew that. <clears throat> God absolutely knew that because he was God. So now you have the inability of the fish in the lake of ever discovering the man in the boat. So what? Because it's a higher form than him. Doesn't matter how many fish are in the lake. Doesn't matter how many species are there. Doesn't matter how developed they are as fish they're never going to be able to discover the man in the boat. The man in the boat has to reveal himself, has to discover the fish, i.e., catch, catch him with a worm, and then the fish has a revelation of the higher form from the eyes at the level of a fish. Then he goes back into the water, and what is he going to describe the man in the boat as? He's going to describe the man in the boat with all of the limitations that his fish design allows him to. Okay? And like I say, that's the problem. That's the problem. You can't discover a higher form. So, and unless that higher form communicates to you you wouldn't know what it wanted anyway. But not only that, the communication has to be at a level that you can understand. So God's the man in the boat. He's eternal. He's before all things. That doesn't prove anything. Certainly doesn't prove that he's the God of the Christian Bible. Because there's no form of communication. And the form of communication has to come at the level of a man. I.e. the fish. Because, so now you have this. So God is, sends a directive initially to the Old Testament people because that's what they were. They were the sand of the sea. They didn't, have to know the, the, they didn't have to know the inner workings of God. They didn't have to know the depths of his character. They didn't have to know the depths of his nature. They didn't have to know that, you know, that, you know what, how he 
interacts with things directly because they were they were a covenant people of the sand of the sea. He was setting them up as a social construct, as a society, as a, a civilized nation that would be his represent, representation on the earth to earthly people. There's no way they could glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate intention that the Father has. Not to have a civilized nation of people on the earth. But they were the first steps towards that. Do you see that? They were the trunk. They weren't the, They were not the, the fruit. They were the trunk of the tree. They weren't the fruit of the tree. It's a progressive revelation of the intentions of the Father God. And that revelation came through two groups of people. First, a sand of the people after the sand of the sea. Second, the stars of the sky. So now we're going to take a scenario a little different and we're going to understand that in order for the fish to understand fully what the intentions of the man in the boat are, the man in the boat has to become a fish and explain it to the other fish at a level that fish can understand it. When we get to heaven and we're with the Father God, when we're walking in streets of glory, if we could, and we won't be able to, but if you could relate that experience back to this experience and your thinking and understanding of it, you, you just wouldn't even believe it. You're like, oh my. Do you remember Paul? He said he was taken, he knows a man, whether in the flesh or out of the flesh, he doesn't know, but he was taken to the third heaven. What does it say? And he heard words that he can't, understand, he can't utter. Because that dimension is so much higher than this dimension. And we're going to go to that dimension, but we're not there now. We're still at the stage where the dimension of God's intention and will and purpose is being relayed to us by the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. That's important. A.W. Tozer said once, he said, what, what remained for the church is for it to regain its lofty view of God. And the reason he said that was because the unfortunate thing of the, the man in the boat becoming a fish and explaining things to the fish world, the fish dimension, is we see him like that. We, we relay to him that dimension. But he's still the man in the boat. The king of glory the one who slung the stars into their orbits, the master of the universe from all eternity, seated at the right hand of his father, was not the man walking the shores of Galilee, saying, Peter, throw your, throw your net on the other side of the boat. That was him manifested among man in the flesh, communicate and to relate to us 
we're going to pick this up next time. Uh, I want to thank you for spending some time with me today on, on His Light and Life and um, the importance of the Incarnation. And uh, I'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to His Light and Life. Do you have questions or want to speak with Mark? Please reach out using the email in the description. We'll see you next time on His Light and Life.